Hello, and welcome to episode two of Webway Radio. I'm Kurt. I'm Shane. And this is the episode where we talk about small town gaming. Absolutely. Let's kick it off with our, our typical sections going into hobby progress. I have assembled quite a few of my vampires. I had the Crimson Court, had that new uh, Warhammer Day vampire. Is that what it's called? I think so. I, I just kind of followed you on that one. Uh, yeah, I, I love me some vampires, but... Uh, and this is all Age of Sigmar, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. I got some of my Black Legion trim painted up on some models that uh, were were lacking for several months, maybe years. Yes, and I and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't you spend three nights here painting that trim? Yeah, I got really tired of the gold trim after a while. I, I think I would have broke after the first half hour. I don't know how you did it for three nights. That was crazy. You know what? You know, I put on my my wish list with my my wife was the uh, was it called a hell drake? Oh, you poor thing. Yeah, it's gonna be so always, much trim. Always wanted that model, but the thought of having to paint and and highlight that thing, I I never pulled the trigger with my chaos army. I really love chaos, but I just don't understand why they have to have all that trim. It looks you know, cool. Where are they getting the gold? Like you would think, yeah. if you were a pissed off ten thousand year old super soldier, you wouldn't care about aesthetics very much. But I mean, we gotta have those. Sins, maybe? Is it the Kinda. greed? I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. <laughs> um, I painted your wife's D&D mini. You the did. Barbarian. I've, I've heard about it. No, I've yet to see it. The fighter. The elf fighter. It's in the picture I sent you, actually. You sent me a picture? I did. I sent you a picture of my vampires that I primed. and uh, I wasn't She was painted that, in the background. Wasn't looking that close. It was a really bad picture. Noted. So I also printed some of my Cursed City terrain that I got. Hoping to use that for our D&D campaign. Now, are we ever going to play Curse City? This is episode three of Curse City Watch, just so you know. <laughs> so, Curse City, my friend Kurt here bought me Curse City, and he's a legend because of that. I, I got to look into it. I respond to the email first when my guy sent out a thing that said he had two copies. The thing with Curse City, though, is there's a mechanic in the game that saps the fun out of your life, and a person in the community has made official looking documentation to fix this one phase of the game oh. it's something about hunting like you're hunting something i wouldn't know and I it's very it. unfun and slow and tedious and so it just brings the game to a halt so i will have to look into that to see if that fixes the problem with the tedium before i want to bring a table full of people in to play it all right i, I get that yeah we wouldn't want a non Maybe GW person to sit down and try to play something where the rules are just too much. You know, my wife loves board games. Of course, we had a board game night here the other day. This past Saturday. Uh, but all these people are not GW people. And 50-50. Exactly. So I would like to be able to bring a product that I know they would. Like, I know Blackstone Fortress mm -hmm. is a good game. Again, got a, got a copy sitting right there. I have a copy of that one, too. I looked so. at the sprues. They're very, very beautiful. They are. Have yet they to are. assemble anything. Yep, that's the that's the last on my hobby progress, my friend. Only only four little uh, little dots, huh? I, I can't say much. I have. Two. I spent five nights since our last podcast, at least doing hobby. I I get that, and I I have hobbied a ton. It doesn't feel like I've done a lot, um, but I did actually start painting my very first Dark Eldar or Drakari vehicle. Um, I think you were here for the tail end of that. I started painting a raider. Yes. 
got the Mercedes blue from P3 that ties the army together as the main color on that. I, I wasn't super happy with it at first, but I ended up using, oh, what's the color? It's it's one of the Game Air purples on the sails, and I am super impressed with it. I absolutely love it. And then I highlighted it with alien purple, and it just made it look that much better. So now I'm rethinking a lot of the colors I've used and kind of want to repaint some stuff and add purple to it. But that was most of what I did. So, and like you said, we had a, a game night on Saturday with two other couples. And we played a lot of, you know, I think Cards Against Humanity, Mysterium. We played some weird card game. It was like checkers and card games. But I don't know what it was called. It, but it, it was like poker and, and card games combined. I, I wasn't a fan. Had to power through three rounds of it. I got through. Um, but before that, Saturday morning, starting, well, Saturday afternoon, starting at noon, we had a little hobby day with you and me and uh, a friend of ours, Wesley and Jonathan. And everybody just kind of worked on some miscellaneous things and hung out and talked shop. Uh, it was nice. It was. It was quite nice. I, I enjoy the hobby days when we all get together. Yes, especially when you can rib your friends about armies they have that are just terrible, but they insist on playing. How? Yes, yes. <laughs> You have to jump on the Taliban wagon to have a uh, a 40k podcast. I feel like you know, but but oddly enough, I looked at win rates for this past weekend, and they were at like a 40 percent win rate, which shocked me. Uh, nine people took them across all the tournaments that were registered in Best Coast pairings, and I mean, 40 percent is a lot higher than I thought I would have seen. Well, from what I understand, in order to have like a, a healthy win loss rate, it's plus or minus five of 50 50. Oh, Once okay. you drop too much out of that, it really prevents you from getting to even a good player from getting to the, the top tables. I mean, I could, I could see that. Yeah. And, and t- I haven't played, I've, I've played them once this edition, but we were all still learning the rules. So I don't know that it necessarily counted, but from what I understand, they're not great. But back to hobby day, um, uh, some more or hobby progress, rather. I have been working on, I'm trying to nail the basing scheme down for my Dark Eldar. I, I don't quite know what I want to do still. So I took my son's sandbox, some PVA glue, put it on a bunch of bases just to test. I'm trying different colors, different color combinations, different dry brushes. I haven't really found something that I like yet. Still still working on that. But that that was a lot of time just testing and prepping those bases. Not really finished models, but I, I did some vehicles and some miscellaneous colors and just testing things out, but nothing nothing concrete. I feel like fixing your 3D printer of that line was a good hobby progress moment. You know, that that is a fantastic point. I've got an Ender 3 that, would you say it was safe to say I've fought with all year? Yes, an FDM printer. Yes. Not a resin. I had an issue where about every centimeter I would just have this weird janky line in all of my prints. And it turns out there's a little Z-axis stepper with two screws that hold it to the pole that goes, you know, up and down. One of those screws was basically falling out. Tightened it up and my test print this morning was absolutely perfect. I, I couldn't have asked for a better print. So I am so excited to start firing off some large prints again. Sweet. Fantastic reminder. Thank you so much. Now we're going to be moving on to games played. Oh, and speaking of games played, I believe last week you, or last episode, you threw down the gauntlet. You wanted some Black Legion action against some Drakari. Yes, I did. Did that happen? It absolutely did. How'd that go? At the end of uh, round two, I conceded. I think technically it was the top of three because I had started to move and you were just like, uh-uh-uh, no, there's there's no way. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was rough. I brought some proxy models for the Relic Dreadnoughts so that I could try... Technically, a, one of them was a Contemptor. But it wasn't a Chaos one. Uh, you just didn't have the iconography on it. Technically, it's just a basic Contemptor pre-Chaos being That's a, a good point. Mm-hmm. 
So I had one proxy model. I used a Hellbrute as the Leviathan Dreadnought. Yes. I got this from the internet because I wanted to be competitive. The way the Jakari Codex works is the Codex is very well-rounded. You could say that. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely say well-rounded. And the Chaos Space Marines Codex has some high points and a lot of low points. So it's a very shallow pool of success that I have to live in. If I wanted to have a chance at competing even with a bad Jakari list. So I thought I'll just internet list this. And I brought Abaddon the Despoiler, Leviathan Dreadnought, a Contemptor Dreadnought, uh, some Chaos Space Marines, and some Cultists. And the Chaos Space Marines I brought were the Chainsword Carrying Variety. Oh, and I brought some Berserkers. You did. Now, if I remember correctly, they did not see action. No, no, they didn't because of my ineptitude. I deployed poorly, and I didn't... I saw a lot of deep strike that you had coming in. What? So I left the berserkers back there to protect the back objective marker in the mission that we played. I don't remember the name of the mission we played. Uh, it was number 11. But we're, we're going down. long ways on the table, so we're playing the short deployment with... Yes. Going where we're furthest what, possible two, away from each other. Two and a half feet between us or something. Yes. A lot of no man's land. And it looked like half his army was set up for deployment or for a deep strike. Like a, a lot of models. It, it felt like. I think it looked like more just because, because of the vehicles. Stuff in transport. That's probably where I messed up. On that back objective marker, I left a character and berserkers and I spread them out to prevent the nine inch deep strike. And then I moved Abaddon, a dreadnought, and the space marines. I think there were some cultists over there too, right? And the cultists up to the, uh, there's three objective markers, one in the back middle and then like a triangle on the left and right leading from that first one to get to the other two. So I wanted to make sure I had my three objective markers. So I kind of split my forces left and right. And he has an ability that I was unaware of because we don't, we haven't played a lot of 40K this year, COVID and all that. Well, and, and two, I'm just starting to drive the Jakari. Correct. Mm-hmm. So apparently he has a bombing run that he can do that I did not know anything about. And, and that is the Void Raven Bomber and the Void Mine ability. It wrecked my shit. Uh, for those that don't know, it can drop a bomb on any point that it uh, flies over. And every unit within six inches rolls a D6. And on a four up, you take D6 mortal wounds. How'd that go? Well, you missed Abaddon. I missed Abaddon and I missed your Chaos Space Marines. No, you got them. I, I hit you a lot killed of stuff. the Dreadnought. I did six wounds. On, I got a six on the Contemptor. You did something that killed a couple Space Marines because I think I had a seven Terminators. or eight man. It hit Terminators. Yeah. Because I killed three of those. Yep, outright. killed three of my Terminators. And then was, the Contemptor blew up and killed a couple oh, of Space the, Marines. That's, the one, that's what killed the Space Marines, yes. I do still, I haven't looked up the rules because I have either one or both of the Dreadnoughts had a damage reduction ability and Abaddon halves damage. So I don't know if those abilities apply to Mortal Wounds or not and I never looked it up. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to check in on that. Um, that was one of those situations though where I was so excited for that. I was like, oh my gosh, it... It rolled great, and I get to roll Mortal Wounds. And then I rolled a six, and I was so excited, but I felt so bad at the same time to just know that Contemptor had six wounds left. So for Chaos Space Marines, if they're not in melee because of the new... I wanted to try out Death to the False Emperor applying to everybody. Super. So apparently they just look at everyone. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess they all go into a a Black Rage like the Blood Angels, and they just see everyone as the False Emperor right now, I guess. So poorly named now that it works for everybody. With the Chaos Space Marines, they don't have a lot of ranged firepower, which is why you bring the Dreadnoughts. At least I assume. I'm, I'm very amateurish at all this. When I looked at what the Dreadnoughts can do, their offensive capability is ridiculous. And you killed them both because I did, I'd never played with them. And they look kind of tanky to me, so I thought they would be okay. But Jakari are very killy. You could say that. that. That might be understatement of 2021. I don't really have any idea 
how to play against the Drakari because I haven't. We've played two games, I believe, and yes. none of them have been two thousand points. Right, we're still ramping up. Uh-huh. Right, so I've got a lot to learn. I mean, I'm keeping the dreadnoughts. They're amazing. I'm going to have to order the actual models now. I, I think had they not died turn two, yes, uh, they they probably would have done a little more damage if you could have hid them or got them in cu- anything to, to just. Granted, I did six mortal wounds in one fell swoop. So, you know, what what can you do? You also brought in. Uh, I destroyed your one of your vehicles, and some winged dudes popped out, and they came up and destroyed my havocs. Oh, the the scourge. They weren't in the vehicle. They were behind the vehicle. But uh, yes, uh, okay. I, I think the vehicle had my Trueborn in it. And you actually got those down to like three models, which terrified me because they're so expensive. But yeah, it, at that point, all I could do was hide them and try not to give you kill points. The Death to the False Emperor, though, I did get to use it one time. One and it was against, fight. against the scourge. And it took one model to kill the whole unit. They are glass cannons. Literally. Literally. But the death to the false emperor, I got to use it. So I got I got through whatever the number of attacks were because of death to the false emperor and re-rolling ones being within Abaddon's aura. Oh, yeah. I got the full amount of attacks through, and they all wounded. When you have one wound and toughness three, it's not hard to kill. It, it was a good game. I, I did win, was it 68 to 27? It was a blowout. It was not a competitive game at all. Well, you know, one day I'll learn how to play Drakari. You're not having to learn yet, though. They just kill things. One day I might have to learn how to play Drakari. So there's there's a strategy to Warhammer, and people talk about just like with playing Battlefield, play play the objective. And we did not have to do that in this game. I tried. I made a point to hang. Even like my witches and my succubus didn't move and stayed in the backfield just so they would hold that objective, so I could so I could hold more. Um, so there there was some strategy. I would have loved to have thrown those girls into your your corn berserker peoples. Got to play that objective. I didn't take nope. any kill secondaries. Maybe next time. And we already talked about our board game night, which we have in the games played section because we rambled a little bit. Well, it happens. So we're new here. Kurt here has a plan to build oh, a we're gonna, giant full size six by four table. Gonna, and I'm not going to take any of his uh, his thunder away. Man, it's going to throw me under that bus and make me talk about this right away, huh? Yes, it's going to be I going. I thought I had more time. It's going to be going on record. So I have this crazy plan to make a board with the XPS foam I talked about last time. I had these grand plans to uh, to try to make some terrain. And, and the more I looked into it and somehow YouTube knew I wanted to make like a battlefield slash trench board. So it threw a ton of videos at me this past week. So I found myself watching like 30 and 45 minute videos of people making these boards. And it was all, you know, like for bolt action or some 15 millimeter stuff. But at the end of the day, same same concept, same designs. So yeah, the internet started throwing these crazy ideas at me and I decided let's let's do the trench board because I think that would look awesome post-Tyranid invasion and I can find and maybe 3D print some really cool Tyranid terrain and make it look like the battle's over, it's leftover stuff, it's crazy Tyranid things coming out of the ground, maybe some some makeshift bridges over, you know, like a, a pool, a spawning pool or something. I, I don't know. I've, I've got some really crazy ideas and being off all week, I can, I can really kind of start planning this out. Uh, maybe on paper to start and then my kids have some giant rolls of paper you can like draw on and I could roll a couple of those out, tape them together, flip them over and then theoretically design it full scale and and start working on two by two boards to do the trenches, 3D print the trenches, start on the terrain, stuff like that. Um, but I, I think it's definitely feasible. I had considered at one point trying to do all the stuff and hand do the trenches and all that. But I was like, you know, I could, I could just 
print the models just as quick and not have to buy all this extra hobby supplies and the wood stuff and the everything else and and just print it and be done that's the plan we'll see how it goes i definitely want to get called out every other week on this um, absolutely just to, to keep me on it and honest i'm i'm curious to to see a can i do it and b how long is it going to take i've seen some of the stls that you're wanting to use to print for this and it it looks like an awesome idea yeah, I actually, right before we started recording, I pulled the trigger on some Black Friday deals on my mini factory, and uh, I bought trenches, I bought some ruins, I bought some bunkers, I bought some bridges, and in fact, I'd, I'd like to try to do a river or something too, just so I have an excuse to do those crazy big bridges. What about you? You got any big plans? Do you want to go ahead and do hobby commitments since we're, he called me out? <laughs> well, uh, my Lord Discordant comes in on Friday. Oh, so so that did uh, did happen? Yes. You planned to buy him and you bought him. So that's, that's going to be my next... Uh, my next project. Build um, and paint? Yes. You gotta you gotta paint the HQs. I mean you can now will this be a, a sub assembly build and paint or are you just gonna throw them together and just paint him? How how do you how do you feel here? Because it's a big model. So he's he's a centaur. I don't know that I've paid that close I, I know we had this talk the other day, but I don't know that I've paid that close of attention to him. He's a he's a centaur type model. So I may, depending on how it's assembled, do a sub assembly with like the upper half separate from the lower half. I mean that makes sense. I even, you know, any kind of cavalry model I always with, try with, to assemble separately and paint and all that. With Bellacor, like I've got his wings detached. Oh, he's cool. Uh but with Lord Discord, depending on how he how he goes together, how hard the places are to get to. It looks kinda similar to the way the Thunderwolf cavalry used to work. So he probably just it's glued right on top there in one little tiny tiny spot. So I'd say you could probably build and paint him separately. I wouldn't try to paint him on that for sure. Man, look at that gold trim. Mm, glad <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> Let's see. Looks like we're moving on to the main topic of the show. Which is? Small town wargaming. Or how to network and build community when you're away from all of the big cities. We have we have had several attempts at this with some success, and then COVID kind of nipped it in the bud. But let's uh let's start with our first try, which I believe that which is how we met. But how? Uh, well, before we do that, let's just give people an idea of of how kind of far out in quotation marks there we are to get to the closest Best Buy is about an hour drive. To put it. I, I guess we're what an hour south of a town, an hour north of a town, and like an hour and twenty minutes west of a big town. And other than that, it's just little tiny towns around us. When we, we look up in- Warhammer tournaments, we get lucky if there's one in our closest metropolis, which is Nashville. Uh, Nashville, Chattanooga. We found Dicehead does one just about every month. Um, oh, really? Yes, they do a monthly RTT. That's even farther than Nashville. I mean, at the end of the day, but though, I didn't know that because yeah. that's that's something we could shoot for. It is. It is. So maybe in January we get that going. But yeah, so so at the end of the day, we're, we're pretty far out. Um, we're in a town of, what, 20,000 people, I think, on last census. I checked it out the other day at work. Got yes. Bored. And there's some other towns around us that are all about the same size. The but, county as a whole is 50,000. Right. And then, you know, there's some more towns very near us that are 30-ish thousand. So it, it's, it's not the middle of nowhere. There's no tumbleweeds. What, two years ago? Mm-hmm. There was not a store in this town to play... Warhammer. Right. Uh, you'd have to drive about an hour to get to the closest game store. So thankfully, we've got two within 30 minutes, maybe? Yes, um, but only could... only one that you can realistically play in. Right, right. But somebody else sells product within a half hour, so it's not awful, and we do try to support local where we can. So Yes. Now that we've established our location. Yes. Middle um, of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. <laughs> Let's hit up with, uh, with your journey into... 
However, you started trying to network when you first uh, first were looking for people to play with. Oh, man. And see, going back to the first group I joined locally, I don't even remember how I met the guy. Uh, actually, no, I do know how I met the guy. So in Franklin, Tennessee, which is just south of Nashville, there is a games workshop, or I guess it's a Warhammer store now. Everybody's rebranding. And the guy that ran it, Robbie, we've talked about him before, he gave somebody my Facebook info, said, hey, this guy plays. He lives real close to you and, and us because he lives just right down the road too. Um, and we started messaging back and forth. So we made a little a Facebook group and we invited, you know, our friends that we kind of know in the area that were interested or wanted to play. Oh, is this the Facebook group that I eventually joined? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, and I, I have since left the group just for reasons um but because it's dead that too one post every six months and most of the time it's a spammer we got a few games in one of the guys was trying to build a crag in his basement which was really cool he probably had multiple six by six tables aligned in kind of a gigantic u shape he had tons of terrain that he had collected for years but once the new edition eighth edition came out you know when when the rules changed that kind of broke him and he just didn't want to play anymore because it wasn't the game he liked and knew and he really loved blast markers and all that stuff and couldn't really get past it so we kind of just stopped talking and eventually i left the group uh you joined at one point after the group was well dead thinking it was a big thing because we had like 60 people yes and nobody ever posted because most of the people that were invited were from utah and canada and just all these crazy places that weren't here yes the name of the group was the location of the group well, and like yet most of the members were not in the location middle southern tennessee wargaming battlefleet gothic warhammer 40k and fantasy facebook so i don't know it was it was ridiculously long but it yes. had every any anything that anybody searched for in the area would pop up because it had like a hundred things in the name yes um yeah that's so that's eventually how we met and i think i just like randomly invited you over one day or something right actually this started with everscape is that where we that's where i met you there didn't i was I? advertising i probably should on, the, on the table that's loud i was advertising in the group that we're discussing yes trying to re revitalize it to get some games going because there were a few people that responded at first but then nothing else and that's usually what would happen in the group everybody would be oh let's do it let's do it let's do it and then nobody would show up or nobody would want to commit to the afternoon so as i stated uh in our episode zero i got into the hobby via DD looking for miniatures so yes. i was more on the fantasy train Choo -choo. so i had the age of sigmar models then i got into warhammer underworlds and so i started going up on my saturdays to everscape which is a local game store he started advertising that i would be there doing like warhammer opens or something i forget how he how he worded it i remember the post but i don't don't remember what was on them. So I started uh, also advertising in the local Facebook group. I started a Discord channel trying to get all the people I met in there so that we could communicate and coordinate games and stuff because this hobby seems to be like disproportionately non-social nerds, which is weird because it's a social hobby. And you end up meeting a lot of people who are like, yeah, and you invite them and then they just never, and they never have a conversation about it. They never do anything. And it's like, okay, so you spend a lot of money on the hobby that's very clear guess you're just in it for spending the money because they don't paint the models and they don't play with them i and it, and it blows me away how non-committal people are uh, uh maybe it's the area maybe it's because we don't have a true game store lgs we have a store that just happens to carry it and has dedicated space for a table it's incredible i mean almost everyone we know that plays has stopped playing you know there was a guy that played space wolves in the area just kind of disappeared yeah absolutely we had a bunch of people in discord and they just left because we refused to commit a 
100% to Age of Sigmar. Yes. Which was strange. Um, now, granted, we've now kind of dipped our toes in. I've dipped my toes in. You've you've gone. But the thing is, is that it's not, we couldn't have still coexisted. Right. Like, right. the conversation is still fun. We still all know what we're talking about. We just like a different flavor. Sure. I know for a fact there's multiple discords in the area, but we just can't seem to unite people which is again just crazy yes i would love to just join the discord and show hobby progress and chat and what do you think of xyz book and stuff but people are just so against it and then you have people that are super into it but don't engage on social media which again is so strange we can't get people that we see almost every week to join our discord so yeah it's it's definitely difficult i I would really be curious to know if other people have this issue so my small town war gaming i joined this group of kurt's i well it's not kurt's group but i joined this kurt this group that Kurt is in. I was an admin as I stick my pinky out. <laughs> um, and Kurt was the only one that engaged on that platform. I was uh, for the so most part. excited for somebody else to post something for once. So what I did was I started going to my local game store. He had he was newly opened and he was in a his first location was a place where he had no no place to play any games at. But then he relocated and I started going there because a couple of my friends I hung out with every Friday we had a Friday night '80s movie night where we would watch bad '80s movies. Part of our routine on Fridays was to go to the comic shop. They would pick up their comics. Well, he moved. And when he moved, he set aside, he had, instead of one big room, he had three, four rooms. And he set aside a couple for playing Magic the Gathering or whatever you wanted to use the tables for. And another group of people also started going there that were into Warhammer uh, and miniatures. And then another group started going there that was into board games. So it started getting kind of lively and a lot of people mingling there and stuff. So I started going in every Saturday and he would advertise, uh, the store owner would advertise like legit advertisements on Facebook and other places to uh, let people know that we're doing Warhammer open or Warhammer, whatever you want to call it, to try to introduce people. I wish I could remember the word he would use for it. He had a really fancy sounding name. I remember that. Um, But it was, you know, just a a new player introduction to Warhammer. And so I would go there and I would set up my Warhammer Underworlds game. Wait, did you have Underworlds? Yes. I bought every pack that came out for a while. Oh, wow. So I set up my Warhammer Underworlds and I set up uh, Age of Sigmar and any other miniatures I had. And I would uh, just answer questions as people come in. Had one guy come in talking about the Titan Imperator or whatever that he had. Oh, the Imperator Titan. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then he goes in to tell me about how he made it himself out of plastic hard. He was very talkative. Never came back. Then they had some people who come in and would order multiples of the $200 box sets of whatever was going on at the time. Sure. Never, never come in to try to play a game or anything. That reminded me. Do you remember, and this is at that store, so it counts. The guy that showed up when Indomitus came out. We were hanging out because we did like a launch party thing there, the three of us. And dude showed up and he had just moved back down from like Michigan or somewhere. And he bragged about knowing some big tournament player and some pro player. And he joined our Discord and then left like a day later. Yes, I do remember that. So I know know they're out there in the area. So I've, I've got all these people coming in. I'm meeting all these people. And none of them are interested in Age of Sigmar or Underworlds at all. I start going, they announced Kill Team at this point, and I'm like, okay, so are you guys interested in Kill Team? So some of the guys that are interested in Warhammer are also coming weekly to the board game night that's ran by a local teacher. So there's a lot of networking going on there. And the guys that are coming there frequently, so I get to see them, they also run their D&D campaign there. These are the guys I get to get in on the Kill Team campaign. Then there's a 
a few guys from work that I get on the Kill Team campaign as well. I get you in on it. We run this campaign. So this is the high point of the small town wargaming. And it ends, the campaign ended as COVID began. And so when we were talking about setting up the second Kill Team campaign... They had to, we had the lockdown happen. And so there, there was no second kill team campaign. And then everybody in the group stopped just talking with each other and there's no more, no more. I mean, it's totally shattered. There's nothing left. Nobody responds to anything. Completely fizzled. Yep. And mm. that was the closest to success that I came. And I spent almost every Saturday for a year building that up. And I got one campaign to show for it, all that effort. Like I would spend four to six hours a Saturday at this store just trying to network with people and get something going so we could have like a, a hobby day. I host I hosted a couple of painting classes. Like I did, I went above and beyond trying to get this going. I single-handedly built this man's games workshop storefront. Well, he, he ordered a ton of product in the middle of that campaign too, I remember. Yes, um, and they all then Games Workshop uh, gave him a lot of stuff to give away, which was crazy considering. Yeah, they, the um, Games Workshop has been very good to him on all but a couple of issues, so which I, are the the common issues that all the stores get. I have a crazy thought. Okay, and hear me out. Maybe we should open a game store. That's a that's a dream of mine. But uh, I don't want to lose my ass and all my savings. There's so, there's you know. not a lot of money in on it <laughs> in that. We'd have to cater to Magic Yu Gi Oh and the Pokemons. And the fact that there are two of us means there wouldn't be enough profits to go around. No, sir. It would be a club. Yes. I still like the club idea. Just throwing it out there for like the 12th time, maybe one day. The other store in our local area that we have also attempted networking at, we sometimes people just don't get along, I guess. They don't oh. see eye to eye, you know, different strokes for different folks kind of thing. Yes. So there's a, a couple of groups. It's really just one group, but there's kind of a a splinter, a mild splinter between the two uh, that get together and play 40K, Age of Sigmar, and other war games at another local store. And they are very antisocial. Like, they're very... It's just them. They're good with it just being, the, like, I guess, five or six of them. Something and, like that. And yeah. one of them is around that they don't... The other None of the members like, but they don't say anything to the fact that they don't like him because I think half of them work with him. Oh. See, I, I only... I played, what, three games there, yeah. and that was enough for me to never go back. Oddly Wait. enough, I went in today with my son just to see what they had, and they expanded a lot of their product. But they've got, like, 12 boxes of Necron Warriors and nothing for most armies. It's just, it's so strange. I don't know who's ordering so they, the product. Well, they, uh, so I can answer this, actually, with, with actual knowledge and not, oh. not just uh, coming up with stuff. Do enlighten. So they made a huge order because they were having a lot of success with the Games Workshop product line. But Games Workshop doesn't have anything to send them because of the supply chain issues. Oh. So they just send them the parts of the order they can as they get it. Well, I, it was so crazy. Like, I, I think he today. said it was a $3,000 order at one point that they had made. I mean, that's and fantastic. they were only getting a couple boxes here and there. They've got like a grand worth of audiobooks that nobody's ever going to touch. Yeah. Like four boxes of the Dryad Girls for the Age of Sigmar stuff, four or five Flesh Eater Count Start Collectings. I it just, it's so like, that's a, that's a weird collection. Like yeah, you'd only want yeah. one box of each of those, maybe two at most. I mean, if they were moving, but I don't think all those boxes have been there since the last time I went yeah, in. Yeah, they're, they're not going to sell. Um, and, and I guess back to the store and the people that play there, I was there around the time the Space Wolf supplement came out. I was fixing to, to try to get you to talk about that. And uh, we were going through it, and my buddy was playing a game with that supplement while we were there. You know, first time cracking it open and all that. And and the ringleader, I guess, came over and 
argue with us about the rules. So this ringleader is mm-hmm. also works at the same place as the all the other cheater. Guys. Right. Well, I wasn't gonna call. He's a cheater. Yes. All of his, all the people he plays with also call him a cheater. He's I mean, the only one that's unaware that they know that he cheats. I just, I don't know. It baffles me. But anyway, so this this guy walks over, hearing us discuss the rules, and be like, "Wow, that's so cool!" And just declares that uh, he's gonna FAQ it inside the store and not let somebody use this new rule in the supplement because it was overpowered. And that was the last time I ever played there. And spoiler, uh. This was not one of the overpowered Space Wolves rules. Yeah. He just didn't like, like it. Space Wolves never, I mean, they had a couple of good things, but they never got, it, it, it was just something he didn't like. He didn't okay. understand. Right. Well, and, He's and like, his that goes, thing, his, his justification was it goes against the core game rules. Right. But that's how Warhammer works. Your codex gives supersedes you. the rule book. Your, your codex, the way your army is unique is only in how it gets to break the rules. That's yes. it. And, and we, you know, went back and forth for about 20 minutes and finally I just packed up my stuff and went home. And that was the last time I took a model there. And that's been a year roughly. I don't know when Space Wolves came out, but it's been a while. That ruined it. And the the cheater in question is uh, everyone has met a player like this in Magic or Warhammer or any game that they play. But in Wargaming, the game is very complicated. So people are usually very good, even in tournaments, even at the top table in tournaments. And I've seen it on live streams. It's like, hey, I'm not familiar with this one. How does that work again? And the person just tells you. This is how that works. It's got 12 wounds. And if you don't kill it before the melee phase, it's going to kill your whole army. You know, or something like that. You know, they, they just, they're out with it. This guy won't tell you how many wounds his models have. And the reason he won't tell you is because once you kill it, he tells you it still has wounds left. Oh, this model has four wounds. He's going to act like it has eight. Oh, this model has two attacks. He's going to act like it has six. And he does it constantly. And so that makes him not fun to play with. And then there are the the only, like, th- these are the two problem players. The rest of them are just antisocial. Like, you, you invite them to the group. Yes. And you can't, like, organize. They just want to play the game with each other. Right. But they they're playing expand. it at the game store. Right. I actually got one of them to come over here and play a game. It was fantastic. It ran a little long because you know kids and is this the one that dropped off the radar and hasn't yes fantastic game was like oh let's do it again and we we had planned to do it about a week later or something came up and i've literally not heard from him since have reached out multiple times nothing it's just again i don't know if it's something in the water and i think that's why we gravitated toward each other because we both we want to play we want to talk shop we want to hang out he's very into it so I find it unlikely. Right. Like it's possible that he relocated. I just wish he had told us because we, we were hanging out a lot there for a while. I was meeting him uh, at the at the local store like every other weekend to play. Wow. Trying to trying to that. fit a game in. You know, I, it was like a first come first serve thing. So sometimes I would get there and somebody else would get the game, and so I would just pack up and leave. Well, that's the other thing too. They they just they made their list on the fly, um, which is fine. But you would schedule a game and you get there and be like, oh, I just started playing with so and so. It's like, well, yeah, we we were supposed to play at eleven. Yes. I've only got a couple hours before I got to get back like I I can't sit here and wait for you to play your game and then play a full game like yeah like it's not like a game club thing where it's, we're taking turns it's like I scheduled a game because mm-hmm. I'm an adult right. with a yeah. life and we need to play the game when we schedule it this is my four hours free this month and you've now not respected my time um so so yeah I just I don't know and I, I think even you and I right before the pandemic I think it was like the Christmas week before COVID um we were trying to play there what once a week yeah just so to build we interest. used to not live as close together as we do now so we're trying to come up with a a meeting place in the middle and so we would meet there to play and sometimes they would have the store would have merchandise stacked up on the table so you couldn't use it and then other times you would get there and the the tables would be taken or i think we got there i got there one time 
and I was setting my stuff up on the table. And while I was waiting on you, I walked across the street to Taco Bell and I come back and our table was taken. Yep, moved our stuff, moved our models, moved everything to just like a little fold-out table. And it's just, I don't know. And, and it might just be because the minis and the Warhammer and the Games Workshop stuff isn't a priority there. Um, but I, again, I, don't, I just, it's strange. Um, management doesn't seem to care. I don't know. So. so at the end of the day, what we have here is I can see that the problem with the people at the one game store is just different strokes for different folks. Of course. It doesn't, doesn't blend. Our mojos don't mix. So that's fine. And there's a, there's a lot of people around here and there's a lot of people buying Warhammer because I know uh, the owner of the store that I prefer gives me the numbers on on what he sells, and I know that there are more people playing 40k in this area. Right, and we just can't get them to contact us. Shane, we need a clubhouse <laughs> <laughs> that isn't my former garage slash converted uh, man cave. Yes, yes, that that would be that would be nice. Would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, but but we'd have to have people to take advantage of it. Yeah, we gotta have people to pay the rent. So we're going to talk about some influences, podcasts, YouTubers, and things like that that we've uh, that we personally like that are in the uh, in the hobby. I like it. Okay, so I'd like to introduce a a local podcast that we uh, or that I uh, listen to that I've been trying to get Kurt in on. Uh, Kentucky Fried Wargaming. And let me just say by saying trying to get Kurt in on, uh, you literally told me about it last night uh, and stayed up all night listening to podcasts while I slept. And this one was like, "Hey, did you listen to it? No, I've been up for twenty eight minutes since you mentioned it." Uh, <laughs> So, so we're clear. Just, just so we're clear, I've mentioned it to him before. You're, you're like the guy that sends an email at like 4.28 on a Friday afternoon and then emails you at 8.02 on Monday morning. It's like, hey, did you take care of that yet? Absolutely. No. What the listeners aren't going to know is that <laughs> Kurt is on day shift and Shane is on third shift. Yes. The Kentucky Fried Wargaming is a couple guys I'm assuming are in Kentucky. Did they advertise on the independent characters a long time ago? No, they're brand new, well, like this year. Somebody used to advertise from Kentucky. On, I have no on, idea. Okay, I just throwing it out there. So they have started uh, started their podcast, and I really enjoy the I don't know the small town nature of of what they're going for because they're in a similar situation to us, and oh, it's well. basically just them and their friends that get to play. There's not really it doesn't seem like there's very many places uh, close by that they get to go. I do believe that they yeah. They had a they had a Warhammer weekend on this last episode, which was trying to get you to to listen to. Uh, one of the guys just moved into a new house for him and uh, had enough space that he set up three wargaming tables. Wow. And he invited over nine of his friends to have a, a wargaming weekend. That sounds like the perfect weekend. Yes, and he said that they drove from several hours away, so I'm assuming they were sleeping there too. That sounds like the charity hammer guy, where he like sends the family out on vacation for the week and invites like every major player in the country to his house and converts like his daughter's bedroom to like the room for the art of war guys and stuff like that. I just, I really love the podcast. No, and, no, that's and, amazing. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a little podcast that's getting, uh, getting off the ground. I think he got a shout out on a uh, Warhammer weekly, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Warhammer weekly. Yeah. Vince Ventrella. No idea. You know, Vince, the painter on YouTube, bald guy teaches the airbrush classes. Uh, did trapped under plastic talk to him all the time. They went over okay. to his house. Yep. Okay, yep, I, I know who we're talking about. Okay, good. Let's edit out where I called him a bald guy. Nope. Anyways. All right, so what's yours? Um. Well, speaking of Trapped Under Plastic, uh, I've really come to love that podcast. I, for some reason, will only watch it on YouTube, so it really limits when I can kind of watch it. I mean, because it's awesome. Yes, and, and to kind of branch off of that, both of those guys, they make excellent videos. I really enjoy the podcast they do together, but equally enjoy their solo stuff. So my first choice would probably be Trapped Under Plastic. Um, I think those guys 
just the discussions they have um, are, are really great. I feel like I'm maybe learning to paint a little more now. I feel like I'm starting to paint better because of them uh, in a very subtle way. Just kind of watching them slowly progress on some of their bigger minis is, is really interesting. I'm still only on season one. I only watch the podcast just so I can see what they're, they're throwing up on screen. But even their individual YouTube channels are fantastic as well. Miniac I've watched for years since before he quit his job and did it full time. And then recently, uh, Ninjon I was okay with. Um, but then like two or three episodes ago, he, he showed like his new insulin pump. So like Diabetic Brothers. Um, so he also he also came out with uh, Daryl. Was Darryl. it Daryl? And he did just quit his job too, which I thought was crazy to be like, "Here's my work badge." Um, but hey, to each his own. Mine will never be on camera. Um, <laughs> but no, super super respect. Just knowing he's a, a kind of a fellow diabetic in the hobby, it's rare to meet them. And anytime I do, we're like best friends immediately. Um, so that was kind of cool. So that's that's my number one. What's your number two? So I'm going to put two people on the number two spot. I mean, I literally just did that. So yeah. I'll let this one slide. So it's going to be Travion Miniatures. I believe he's won in excess of eight Golden Demons and Squidmar. Okay. All right. So Squidmar, um, he does a lot of diverse content now that he's doing it full time. Uh, I really... I really love some of the challenges he's done painting with the the colorblind glasses or some kind of color filter glasses that he painted with. Isn't he colorblind anyways? No, that's the other guy. That's uh, Midwinter Minis. Yes. And he, like I say, he's been doing a lot of interesting projects, but he also does the the Fiverr challenges where he takes a bid on these projects and paints and there's a a time limit. And so you see how they paint with a time limit. Whereas a lot of painting videos, somebody's like, yes, I painted this in two hours. When you know good and well, they've got like 25 hours in on it. Or, you know, it's like, yes, I I don't see why you're complaining about having to paint an entire unit because I have painted this unit in two hours. No, you didn't. I know you just mentioned Miniac, but Miniac, Squidmar, and Travion have all done these comparison videos of them like this is what it looks like if you spend an hour on a mini. This is what it looks like if you spend a golden level, a golden demon level and how much time it takes, you know, and, and everywhere in between. So you can be like, this is what to expect if you put this amount of time in and you're skilled. So like when they put an hour into a mini, does it look better than when I put an hour into a mini? Absolutely. But that hour mini that they do, I can very easily do in a couple hours. Oh, of course. And and was it Miniac that just recently did one with the uh, the same model three times? Yes. It was really neat to just hear him talk about his process for two or three minutes per per segment or whatever it was. Like, oh, well, I, I'm going straight for this because I feel like this is more important. And then in the the hour-long thing, you know, all right, well, now we're going to do this highlight or we're going to try this differently. Like, that that was really interesting to me. And I, I think stuff like that, again, Trapped Under Plastic, really helps me as a painter try to try different things and experiment and, and just see what I could come up with. I feel like experimenting, trying new things, pushing yourself is important, but also it's important to understand that the box art for Games Workshop is not a one hour paint job. Oh no. That's, so that's, for a character model, they're allowed 40 hours of company time to paint it. I could not fathom being told you have this whole week this is your job and how you earn your salary i think it was i think it was on one of the official games workshop podcasts that they said that and it's like eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours for just like an infantry model and these guys are already good painters is how they get the job in the first place these are the heavy metal painters and that's for the box art understanding 
what a model looks like when you spend an hour on it when you have a high skill level, which is what Travion, Miniac, and Squidmar have shown, allows you to understand where you are in the process. Like, I can't do that in an hour versus, oh, I see what he did there. I probably could do that in an hour or two. But it sets a believable standard, which I think is very important to understand where you're at in the hobby so you don't have artificial expectations that aren't achievable. I I 100% get that. So what's your next one? I think... I'm really torn on number two here, but I, I think I'm just going to rock the independent characters, mostly because when I, I first started listening to those guys, it was kind of just me in the hobby. Uh, I knew some people kind of in it. They didn't really play. They didn't have time. They didn't want to commit to putting the time into the hobby and things like that. And and listening to them, you know, their, their big thing was always, we want to make you feel like you're part of our gaming group. And, and I kind of did. And I think that's what kept me in the hobby solo for so incredibly long. And then uh, now I that we're, we're kind of hanging out and, and we've started a podcast, like I feel like I'm almost there. You know, if we had just a few more people playing with us, and that was kind of the topic tonight, we could almost just be completely self-contained and not have to worry about traveling and, and doing all the craziness that we have to do to get games and stuff. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you 100%. There's, there's something that the independent characters have in their formula that no other podcast has been able to replicate. And it's the energy that they give you to put into the hobby. Exactly. They bring you up. Every episode, I would come out of that hyped, ready to get home and paint. I would almost exclusively listen to it when I was traveling for work. So I could put on a podcast when I left Macon, and if it was a long show of force or a book review, I would still be listening to it four, four and a half hours later as I'm pulling in. It's like, oh man, I can't wait to hobby and read that book and and put together these models. And granted, again, it was just kind of me at that time. Um, I feel like once I kind of met you, the, the podcast ended, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Independent characters um, has ended uh, for the most part. Hey, we're all holding our breath and waiting for that last episode. We've been promised for about a year now. So. However, I will say that it is, for the most part, timeless and is very much worth going back and listening to past episodes. Right. Except episodes 1 through 49 because even Carl says the, the audio quality is just not there. And I tried. It's it's rough. Start at 50, <laughs> 51. <laughs> Uh, what so, about number three for you? You got anything? Let's see. Number three. Oh, see, I pulled out my iPad and did a little research while you were talking. Oh, that's that's cheating. <laughs> that is so, so much cheating. So I watch a lot of YouTube. Yes. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yes. Oh, can he narrow it down? There's going to be one on here that I'm I'm going to forget. I absolutely love Midwinter Minis, so I'm going to throw him out there. Okay. Absolutely love him. Uh, there's... Now, is this the guy that bought the Space Marine statue for his store? Okay, yes. I just, there's so many people kind of like that that I get them all confused because I, I kind of half watch stuff. He's also uh, big into speed painting, which is apparently how he started his channel. Didn't and know uh, he is, I believe, the biggest Warhammer YouTuber. Really? By a significant margin. Wow. I, I wouldn't have guessed that, but that's... If he's not the biggest, he's very close. He's in the six figures. Wow. If not, if not more. He's got this one really cool uh, setting or... Uh, what would you call it? Series. He has okay. a series where he plays uh, start collecting boxes. He made a, a arena, an arena for start collecting boxes. Oh. So he has a video where he custom makes the arena right. board. Then he will paint up the two start collecting boxes himself. But then he'll have his partner play the opposing army for another popular YouTuber remotely. And uh, he actually got to play uh, a, a speed game with Mini Wargaming Dave when Dave went on his uh, European tour. Oh, see, I didn't even know he did that. Yeah, he's been, he hit all the European YouTubers. 
But he had, there was a traffic issue with uh, Midwinter. Minis. Oh, Midwinter okay. was the last stop on his trip. And because of traffic, he ended up in a time squish to get back to the airport. So they had to rush through and oh, do something bummer. different than they originally planned. Right, right. Um, but they, uh, they'll just, you know, get someone remotely to play to play that other army and to see which of the start collecting boxes, you know, they're doing like a tournament. So that's, that's one of his show ideas. That's pretty awesome. I like that. Okay. Uh, and I guess my number three would probably be, speaking of mini wargaming, as cheesy as this might sound, but these guys have been in the game forever doing battle reports and just talking shop. I don't watch them as much as I probably used to, but they were always kind of there. They always did the you know, edition changes, edition updates, codex reviews, um, and, and just tons and tons and tons of battle reports. Um, one of these days, I, I hope to get up to the bunker, I think that's what they call it now, and and just check it out and maybe meet the guys. But yeah, that's uh, that's my number three. All right, so my number four, and uh, I'm, I'm going to do four. Oh, man, you're dropping another one on me. You're going to make me panic. And that's going to be that's gonna be it for me because mm-hmm. I do listen to a lot. I keep going for days on this. But the two I'm going to mention right now, are lore-based YouTube channels. One of them is Major Kill, which is Warhammer Lore by an Australian, and he's hilarious. Uh, so he does a lot of really cool, like, 9, 10-minute lore videos. And the other one is, I don't know if this one's for everybody or not, but I really enjoy the guy's voice. So, like, the, the lore videos, a lot of the lore people can put you to sleep because some of them are just reading Wikipedia pages. 100%. And that's just not enjoyable because... First of all, you read it, you go into the monotone of reading something. So if not everybody can do that and make it sound good. But this guy writes his own content, and apparently the whole thing is him by himself. So he's writing all the content, he's coming up with all the stories. Some of it is fanfic, and some of it is official lore, but it's called Baltimore's Guide to Warhammer. Yep, so he's someone I just recently started uh, listening to. Like his video he's got four days ago has 30,000 views on it. He's got 127,000 wow. subscribers. He's He's coming up quick. Well, send me a link to him. I'm I'm very curious to to check this out now. And Midwinter Minis, uh, we were talking about the subscriber count, two hundred eighty six thousand. All right, uh, I don't have a number four because I thought we were only doing three. So I think I will bow out of number four. Uh, is there anything else you want to throw out there, Shane, or talk about? I believe that's it for me. I guess this concludes episode two of Webway Radio. I'm not going to tell you to like, share, or subscribe because I don't know where we're going to post this at just yet. So, all right, thanks for listening. Yeah.